individuals just like you dealing with their own journey from loss to growth, along with mental health experts, growth guides, all with the purpose of helping you heal better, improve mind, body, and spirit, and finding your purpose from the loss and tragedy that unfortunately you have experienced. Hi, I'm Tom Pasello. I'm your host. I'm a growth evangelist, founder of Growth Through Grief, as well as being a fellow widower. I lost my beautiful bride of 19 years, Judy, some five years ago. Today, I've got a very special guest. My guest today is Carly Page. She is a culinary nutrition expert, and she's a chef. She's founder and president of Fit Living Eats of Winter Park, and they're a concierge private chef company. Uh, she's the author of a great cookbook, a best-selling cookbook, Simply Swapped Every Day. It's a lifestyle guide and includes over 75 simple plant-powered recipes that can be customized to any dietary preference. And the book is literally on the counter in my kitchen and my daughter's Carly, they reference it all the time. So I've seen it out a few times as they're whipping up some concoction in the kitchen, uh, usually involving chia seeds or something similar. Um, through Fit Living Eats, Carly hosts a corporate web, web workshops. She hosts regular cooking classes for companies like uh, Four Seasons, NASA, Southwest Airlines. Uh, she's been seen on Fox 35 and other news and lifestyle programs. And uh, one of these days, we'll have to have our host, our widowers group, for a great and healthy cooking event. So, Carly, we're hoping to do that with you. Today, we're going to leverage her nutritional and cooking expertise to discuss something really important, the importance of food and diet in the healing process. Carly, welcome. Thank you, Tom. Thank you so much for having me. And I am super excited to dive into that topic with you and talk more about the healing powers of food on holistic health, uh, no matter where we're at in our different stages of life. Absolutely. So our diets can definitely dramatically affect our healing. You know, as widowers, we're already stressed. Um, We've likely been dealing with that stress for some time, whether it's through the disease process that's occurred or after the loss. There's increased anxiety for ourselves and others. Perhaps, uh, you know, many of us have a depressive state that we go through. Talk about the impact of diet and what that can have on your mood and your body as a result. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, while I have not gone through the same grief process. I do have a history since I can remember of dealing with pretty debilitating anxiety. Um, so I can relate to some of those symptoms that we all kind of find ourselves dealing with from time to time, depending on where our circumstances are. Um, and, you know, I found that for me, when I started to shift my diet, it really increased mindfulness around other areas of my life as well. But food was the one thing that we're always thinking about. We can control what we're putting into our body and it feels kind of safe, meaning we're comfortable around the topic of food and um, eating throughout our day. So it's just kind of a natural first step in creating more mindfulness and awareness around what you're putting in your body. And as it relates to healing and um, anxiety and reducing stress, um, food really does have the power to heal. And I don't know that I recognized that until I really started looking at food in a different way um, and kind of reframing the, the way that I perceived food and paid attention to how it made my body feel. Um, so specifically when talking about some different uh, dietary uh, focuses, you know, one thing that we're always hearing is stabilizing our blood sugar levels. And we can do that with food. And the importance of that is really to avoid that big energy high and then crash and burn, which mm -hmm. can, you know, really feed into those feelings of anxiety and stress. Another big one is focusing on gut health, which I know we're going to talk more about uh, later on, but there's so much research now around the connection between our gut and our brain and our mental health and, um, you know, the connection between the two. If one's healthy, then you're setting the other up for optimal 
health. Um, so, you know, in our gut, we're producing a lot of hormones, um, specifically serotonin, which is that feel-good hormone. So focusing on gut health can really have a direct impact on your feelings and your mood throughout the day. Yeah, the food that we eat is fueling our system, and it really is medicine for the body. And I think that there's mm -hmm. a lot of doctors now that are really waking up to this. Unfortunately, medical practices have had, gosh, out of the thousands of hours of training that doctors receive, I think the traditional track that many of the experienced doctors have gone through is maybe four hours of nutrition. But when right. you think about it, food has such an amazing influence on our health. Um, too much sugar and you get these spikes and crashes, like you said, yeah. which if you're already in a stressed or depressed mood can put you into that depression. Uh, for me- Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, for me as well, Carly, if I eat uh, gluten, uh, even though mm -hmm. I, I don't think I've got an allergy to gluten, but I just, I don't feel good. I get inflamed by it and not a severe yeah. inflammation like someone with maybe celiac disease, but I definitely, it makes me feel lethargic. And mm -hmm. if there's one thing you don't need while you're already feeling sad, while you're already perhaps in a depressed mood, is having your body inflamed and your joints hurt and your fingers swollen and just not, it's already hard sometimes to get out of bed when you're in a grief process, much less yeah. being inflamed. And that just makes it that much worse to get out of bed. Exactly. Yeah. And to your, a couple of points that you brought up, which were really great. One, sugar. So I think a lot of times people think about sugar as just being a dessert. Um, but anything that's higher in carbohydrate. So with carbohydrates, you've got simple carbs and you have complex carbs. Complex carbs come with fiber attached to those carbohydrates, which means that your body does not process those carbohydrates as it would a simple or more processed carb. So you want to focus on whole nutrient-dense fiber-rich carbohydrates because what happens is when you eat a high-carb food like, say, a bagel, you don't necessarily think of that as eating sugar, but you are because there's no fiber in that and you're maybe getting, let's say, 30 grams of carbs that your body is just processing as it would sugar. So you're still going to experience that high and then the crash and burn and ebb and flow of energy throughout the day. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And as you said, so some of the simple carbohydrates, the ones that you want to avoid uh, would be, you know, like you said, bagels, um, potatoes do that for me. I don't know if that is something that you consider a simple carb in there. What are some examples of the complex carbs, which are the good carbs, right? And then the simple carbs, which are the ones that we probably want to do less of. Right. So complex carbs are going to be your fruits, your vegetables, whole grains, beans, legumes. Everyone is a little bit different in how food affects their body. So uh, some people thrive on a higher carb diet that's done the right way, fueled by fiber. Other people do better on a lower carbohydrate diet with higher protein and higher fats. Um, so that's where really paying attention to your own body and how it feels as you're eating these foods is so important. But generally speaking, those are the kind of complex carbs that you want to incorporate into your diet, which will weed out those more simple carbs. And when we talk about simple, just think about processed carbs. So anything made with white flour. White flour is extremely processed. All of the nutrients are stripped from that grain. So anything that that could go into, it could be cookies, it could be bagels, it could be cupcakes, it could be pizza dough. I mean, uh, there's a lot of different ways that that can manifest in our food. Um, and then, of course, you know, sugar. Uh, so anything with cane sugar, even the more natural sugars like maple syrup, honey, um, agave, they're better for you, but there's still sugar and we want to be mindful of those as well. Yeah. So one of the things that I know a lot of Widower Brothers fall into, and I definitely fell into this through the disease process, was we use food, we use alcohol binging, sometimes as an escape, right? Um, talk about the impacts of this and you know, what you recommend to break the cycle. How, how do you wind up eating better and drinking better? 
Yeah, um, I think that when we are going through a really tough time in our lives, I think period, we rely too much on uh, our own willpower. Mm-hmm. And when we are in a vulnerable state, like going through grief or going uh, through a, an intense battle with anxiety, trying to rely on just ourselves is going to set us up for failure, not just physically and how we're feeling, but emotionally as well, because it just reinforces that idea that we're not doing enough for ourselves or we can't do enough for ourselves. So Mm -hmm. really relying on other people in your life to hold you accountable and, and become that accountability system for you, I think is really key in making those changes and just speaking to them your desires and your goals so that they can check in on you and see how you're doing. Not from a place of if you're not uh, meeting your goals, then you're failing, but just someone who really cares and can uh, go through that process with you. So I think aside from, you know, the really practical changes that we can make in our diet, really relying on that relational power that we can lean on when we're going through such a challenging time. Yeah. And I think in that, definitely trying to give yourself some grace, right? Um, you're mm-hmm. already beating yourself up uh, a lot of times in regrets or, you know, things that you wish you would have done differently through the process. Give yourself some grace on the food. Uh, give yourself some grace Absolutely. on the alcohol. Um, but do think consciously about some of these shifts because it's really hard to heal if you're binging on the wrong foods. They're just not making your body feel well. And we'll talk about the gut biome in a second and some of the direct impacts it can have on your mind and your and your moods. And then two, if you're indulging in alcohol, which I had an issue with, Carly, um, it can really mess your metabolism up to the point where you're not mindful, you're not lucid, and you're not going to heal because it just keeps you in this loop of basically poisoning your body. So for me, through the disease process, my house was filled with hospice folks. It's my sanctuary. And I really felt like I had to get away in the bottle. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was drinking margaritas, amaretto slushies, you name it, whatever sugary kind of drink. And okay, yeah, I was using agave nectar and making skinny margaritas, right? <laughs> but, you know, I'd have two or three at night and big slushies. And then I'd, you know, do the next night. It would be two or three that night and on and on and on for every night just to medicate. And, and it wasn't healthy. And, you know, I was... Lucky that right after my wife passed, I really had an epiphany of willpower and said, I needed to be lucid for my kids. I needed to be lucid and really feel this. And I, and I had to stop medicating. And I did that. Um, I had support in, um, in some of the people around me to help support that. And just cold turkey stopped alcohol and haven't had a drop in five years. What I noticed was some significant changes where... Um, in the beginning, you know, it wasn't the whole hangover highs and lows that you experience because, okay, you might be medicating that night, but in the morning you're waking up feeling like trash. We've all been there. Right. Um, so I started to be a little bit more even keel, which was great need to be through this process. The other thing I noticed though, was that my metabolism was changing. I wasn't drinking and then grabbing a bag of chips and salsa to finish it off, to go along with the margarita at night. Right. So now all of a sudden I'm not eating those carbs and I'm not eating them late and I'm not eating all that sugar late. And all of a sudden my gut biome kind of started to heal and I my metabolism boosted. And as part of this journey, I wound up losing and you didn't know me before, Carly, but I was a good 60 pounds heavier, if not 70 pounds heavier. Uh, It was a dramatic change. And I was working out during that time. But, you know, between the stress and the cortisol and being able to get off of that and getting off of the alcohol, but the alcohol was the big change that I made and just going off of that. And so do you have to stay five years sober? Well, no, but I think for anyone who's going through this, try a couple of weeks, try a month, Um, you know, see if you can feel the changes. And for me, what happened was, is I committed to do that. I didn't say, okay, that's it. I'm never going to have another drink for the rest of my life. But I committed for sobriety for a little while. 
and it had a huge impact so quickly and the results were so good. I'm like, oh, let me continue this. This is working. And then another month, oh, let me continue it. It's working. So let's yeah. pivot to gut biome. We've mentioned it a few times. So what the heck is the gut biome for those who don't know? Because <laughs> I didn't know when I first started this journey. In fact, it wasn't until a couple of podcasts that I began to, to learn this from Dr. Gundry and some others. Um, I definitely got my gut biome tested, which was the big help. And so I know what to eat and what not to eat. But what is the gut biome and why do we need to be mindful of it? Yeah, so the gut biome really is what we're now calling our second brain. 80% of our immune system lies in our gut, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. Um, and it is the regulator for so many important physiological functions. So I feel like when people first hear the word gut, they think digestive system, like bowel movement, right? Mm -hmm. But the gut is so much more than that. It's really the microflora, the balance of good and bad bacteria in your intestinal tract that has the power to really uh, control and change how you feel and function throughout your day. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, you know, there's so much research coming out now about the connection between the gut and the brain and mental health and wellness and just how many hormones are produced in our gut. And all of this is tied back to, again, that balance of good and bad bacteria. And it's important to have both, but it's also important to feed that good bacteria with the right kind of food so that it can really help you feel like you're thriving and not just surviving throughout your day. Yeah. Eat poorly and the bad bacteria, quote unquote, that make you not feel in a good mood and could even put mm -hmm. you in depression um, affects your sleeping, right? Because that gut is tied through the venal vagus nerve back up to your middle brain and your middle brain is where all of your hormones are produced. And then there are some that are definitely produced in the gut and other parts of the, of the body, but it is really that central system that controls that trigger that then causes the production. The feeling, the term gut feeling comes from that, right? You have a gut feeling. Yeah. It's actually your gut responding through your venal vagus nerve up to your hormonal system in the middle brain, the limbic system, and it's driving key hormone production, whether that be your amygdala, your fight or flight system, your serotonin and uh, melatonin production in your pituitary gland, all of those things are related. So it is a governor in your system. And if you put bad fuel into that system, uh, it's going to cause the bad bacteria to be sparked up and it's going to cause you discomfort. It's going to cause you mood changes and it's going to just put you deeper into that sadness and that depression. Change your diet so that you're fueling the good bacteria. For me, that was first getting rid of the alcohol, which was promoting really bad things in my gut. And immediately my mood changed and shifted. Uh, for other people, that may be the, the simple carbs that they get rid of. I know those affect my mood dramatically, not just my inflammation. And so there are ways to just experiment with this. Um, if you eat food and all of a sudden you're bloated, likely your gut is having a reaction to it and it's not a good reaction. My daughter suffers from that dramatically. She had viruses and other things in her gut because she had a parasite and had to take a lot of um you know, anti-bacteria uh, medicine, uh, pro, um, antibiotics that basically killed a lot of her good gut flora. And so she has bad gut flora. She's got uh, some viruses that are in there and they react to food that she loves like broccoli and cauliflower to where she's got a big food baby after she eats that. And it's uncomfortable yeah. and it really does dramatically affect her mood. So what can you do? Well, you can experiment you know, cut out yeah. some foods that you think are bothering you and see how your mood changes. And it's amazing. If you, if you run these tests, you can really determine a lot of what you should and shouldn't be eating. There are rather inexpensive tests now that you can get. Uh, Naveen Jain has one with his company uh, called Viome, V, Victor, mm -hmm. I-O-M-E. And that's the one that I use, Carly. Have you done a gut biome test for yourself? 
I haven't, you know, I just started uh, kind of diving more into testing to just kind of get a good overview of where my health is at uh, in general. So that is definitely one that's been on my list for a long while. And I think that it's so intriguing that we can, you know, really dive into our health that specifically. Um, and I think it's important to note too, that our gut microbiome is always changing, right? So when you do these kinds of testing, it, I think it's important to continue to do them over time because it's always changing. That balance is always changing. Uh, and so, you know, what worked for you two years ago might need to be might need to be adapted a little bit, you know, now two years later. So kind of staying on top of your health. And if you are someone that really likes to dive into the testing and uh, and really increase your knowledge in that way, just kind of keeping up with it too uh, is a really great way to just keep fine tuning your health from the inside out. Uh, and then, you know, when it comes to feeding our gut, there's a couple of just kind of blanket uh, food groups that are really good for optimal gut health, and that's fermented foods. So uh, yogurt, things with probiotics or taking a probiotic, sauerkraut, um, miso, uh, prebiotic foods like artichokes, things that are foods that are full of fiber. Uh, and then, you know, I always encourage people to just get back to the basics, make sure you're getting a variety of food, eating the rainbow. And like you said, you can have reactions to foods that are even quote unquote good for you. Uh, you mentioned your daughter having a reaction to cruciferous foods. That's the broccoli, cauliflower, kale family. Uh, you know, that's actually, it's a really healthy group of foods, it helps fight cancer, but some people don't tolerate those well. And that's okay. Don't feel like you have to eat something just because you know what's good for you. Really, you know, get in tune with your body and how it's reacting to food so that you can find what works for you. Yeah. And Carly, that gets to the next question I have for you. So, you know, I'm talking about my goodness in my eating and my drinking and things like that. But one of the things that I suffer from is that I'm really diligent about what I eat, but I'm kind of pressed for time sometimes. So as a result, I tend to lack any diversity in my diet. Literally, I eat the same things every day. And I know those things I don't react to badly, right? So they're good for my gut and I feel good after I eat them. But literally, unless I go out to eat, what I'm eating at my home has zero diversity, zero variety. <laughs> yeah, I think it can be really easy to get stuck in a rut with what we're eating at home, especially if it's just you at home. You know, maybe you're an empty nester or maybe it was your loved one that passed away, your partner in life. Maybe your kids are out of the house or you never had kids. So it's just you at home. Um, that's how it is for me right now. And it's really easy to get stuck in the same pattern of eating the same thing over and over. And also feeling like, you you know, um, not feeling this level of pressure to make all this different kind of food. And then you're only one person. So you can only eat so much. And then a bunch goes to waste at the end of the week. So I think that just keeping in mind, again, eating different colors when you're at the grocery store, stocking up on fruits and vegetables, picking foods that are on a different color spectrum of the rainbow is a good way to get variety. Or maybe switching up what you get week to week. You know, instead of focusing on getting variety in your day, maybe just focus on getting variety over, you know, over weeks uh, moving forward. So if you got a handful of fruit this week, maybe you get a different kind of fruit the next week and mm -hmm. kind of switch it up that way too. If you are going out to eat, the build your own bowl places are becoming really popular and a great way to, to find healthier options out there and get a good variety in uh, your diet. But uh, I think most importantly, just getting back to the basics and uh, getting unprocessed, focusing on those whole nutrients is really going to make the biggest game changer in, in your diet. I myself love to switch it up with 
smoothies. So mm -hmm. I typically have um, one smoothie in my day. It's a great way to get a complete healthy meal on the go that's easy to digest because the blender has kind of already done some of the work for you. So uh, in my smoothie, always goes a handful of greens, and then I can switch up the fruits, whatever I have on hand, uh, freezing, you know, fruit that's going to go bad and keeping it in the freezer for when I make my smoothies. And then um, some protein, whether with yogurt or a clean protein powder, and then healthy fats. And I like to switch that up too. So I always have a couple of different nut butters on hand, like almond butter or cashew butter. You could put a little bit of avocado in there, uh, some cinnamon. So that's a really great way to switch up your nutrients as well. And an insurance policy to making sure that you're getting a balanced, complete meal. Yeah, and protein uh, as well. So one of the things that you provide is a, a great service where you've got pre-prepped meals, right, that are uh, available. Talk about that a little bit and services like yours. It doesn't have to be a pitch, pitch for Fit Living Eats, but um, yeah. talk about how people leverage that kind of pre-made service to help fill in the blanks and, and the gaps to get that diversity. Yeah, I mean, we're all busy, right? We're always on the go. Um, there's always something we could be doing, or we find ourselves short on time and energy at the end of the day when we should be going to the grocery store or making our dinner. So those prepared meal options out there are a really great way to fill in the gaps of those times where you're feeling like you are behind. So whether it's my company, you know, we offer really customized meal prep for clients. So it's catered specifically to individual needs, uh, really more like we are your private chef matching that with our healthy food option to set you up for success. Uh, but there's a lot of offerings and um, different options out there, depending on where you live. There's local places. There's also places that ship nationwide. Um, I partner with Pub and Stuff here in Orlando and in Tampa, where you can order one individual meal or you can order 20. It doesn't matter through uh, Heirloom, their meal delivery service, and get that delivered to your door. So again, I don't know that I would necessarily recommend relying on all prepared food as your source of energy in your day and your week, but definitely keeping a handful of options on hand uh, from a source that you know is going to be nutritious and fresh is a great way to alleviate some of that pressure throughout the week, feeling like you have to make everything from scratch at home in order to be uh, your healthiest. Well, Carly, one of the things I want you to do is keep me honest on the diversity piece with it in my diet, because that is what I really need to work on. I've done so well in so many other areas, and I'm just like, I'm not going to beat myself up over it because I think I'm doing well, but... I definitely have to get those fruits, the vegetables, the variety in weekly. So, and that brings me to another point is many of us have children. Uh, some of them are home. Mine are away for some of the year. And then they come back with a whirlwind from, uh, from school. <laughs> and then we got to not only worry about our own meals, but now I've got these two other little ones here in the house. Um, how do we kind of make sure that our families are served well by what we're doing in the food area? And then also talk about the therapy of cooking and the therapy of kind of eating together and how important that is that we've kind of gotten away from, right? Yeah. Uh, so I talked earlier about how changing my diet really shifted mindfulness in other areas of my life. I'll never forget, I read an article probably five years ago now that talked about the practice of cooking as being an active form of meditation. And mm -hmm. I loved that because I, I'm not going to lie, I struggle with traditional forms of meditation, <laughs> sitting somewhere for 10, you know, 5, 10, 20 minutes with no stimulation and uh, and so sometimes I don't, you know, I'm not able to fit that into my day, but I do know that when I create space 
for cooking a delicious meal that does not have to be complicated. It can be really simple, but just having something to focus on with your hands and kind of get yourself out of your mind a little bit um, is a really great form of meditation. So I love that connection back to cooking and something that a lot of us kind of perceive as stressful can actually be uh, very meditative as well. And I, I think that when you have kids at home, uh, you know, you may not feel like making something just for yourself, but I I think it's really important to pass on that habit and way of connecting with others around the table within your own family too. So many of my memories from growing up are with my mom spent cooking in the kitchen. And then, you know, most nights we're sitting around the table. And again, it didn't have to be something really complicated. It could be simple and kind of semi homemade. Uh, But that connection with each other and that space outside of the busyness of the day is such a good way to um, connect and uh, spend time with, with those that you love, friends and family. Yeah. So one of our widower brothers, David, he, his wife um, was an IBM saleswoman and then packed it all in and said, you know what? I love to cook. I'm going to go and do this for a living. And so she cooked and then David did lose her um, too soon. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that he does is he breaks out her recipes and he'll invite a couple of friends over. He doesn't have kids and uh, he'll cook a meal and he'll do it as a mode of therapy and a mode of remembrance. And I love that. And I think there's definitely something there, you know, if you had that special meal that your wife would prepare, or she's got those recipes, you know, grab the kids and take a run at it. Even if it doesn't come out well, I think there's an honor to that and a respect and a remembrance that you'll be able to, you know, they'll treasure, they'll treasure that. So absolutely love that. All right. So Carly, I've got you here. I'm going to go through, some of the things that I've done, <laughs> and I want to get your opinion on these. And please don't pull any punches on me. All right. So <laughs> you talked about the alcohol. Is that a check? Is that a check? Is that a good one? Giving up the alcohol? That's a great one. In fact, uh, it's it's one of the immediate benefits my clients see along with incorporating the healthy food that they're getting from us in their week. When they limit their alcohol consumption, it's like the two can tango together and it makes mm-hmm. sense. Uh, and you can really get a lot of positive benefit from that. So there's, there's a huge benefit to uh, reducing or eliminating alcohol in your diet, definitely. All right. So one of the things I do, let's start with my morning. First thing, first thing I absolutely do, glass, squeeze a whole lemon in it and have a glass of lemon water. First thing, first up before anything else goes in my body. Good. I love that. I love that. I aspire to that. You're doing better than I am. (laughs) Uh, but we get so dehydrated overnight. And having that glass of water, if you have lemon in it, if it's warm, even better, it kind of helps get our system waking up and detoxing naturally from the get-go is a great way to start the day. Awesome. It does give me a boost of energy. I have noticed that. And that was, again, probably one of those first or second day things I did after Judy passed. I was looking for, you know, almost right away, I made that pivot of, okay, I got to get my act together, you know. Uh, And that Mm -hmm. was a big one that kind of helped me to do something positive, like one little positive step forward sometimes can be that catalyst to taking more steps. And that lemon water and being consistent with it for now five years has been a huge improvement. All right. I I got to say, too, I got to say, too, before you move on, which kind of goes along with your next point, I think you're going to make starting those changes in the morning specifically is a really great way to set your day up for success because once we get going in our habits throughout the day it's really hard to divert uh, the other way and try and make positive change so if we can make that positive change from the get-go it's just going to help make everything else throughout your day feel that much more smooth and fluid yeah love it then I follow up with, used to be a lot of coffee, like we're talking eight, nine, 
I mean, maybe even more, Carly. It was really bad. I don't do anything halfway. That's a lot. So, <laughs> so I realized that was bad. So I did give it up and I now follow it up with tea, which is probably a lot better for me, right? Especially like one cup of coffee probably isn't bad, but eight, nine. That's a lot, especially when you are going through such a trying time that is uh, filled with grief and or anxiety and or stress. Uh, it really does a number on our body as a whole and our adrenals. So mm -hmm. uh, when you reinforce that with a significant amount of caffeine, it's just your body is never able to settle. So uh, definitely it's not for, you know, permanently, just kind of short term to get yourself back on a healthier track, reducing or cutting out uh, caffeine can be a really great way to kind of re realign and reset your baseline for then moving forward. Yeah, Michael Pollan's book, Caffeine, changed me. That was the one that was like, you know what, this is a drug, just like the alcohol was, and I need to get off of it, or at least reduce it. And for me, it's either all or nothing. So I'm like, that's it. No more. Um, yeah. I also, what made the tea really palatable and what kind of replaced for me some of the energy boost was I don't just have tea, but I put a few drops and I don't do a whole tablespoon or even a teaspoon, but a few drops of MCT oil in each tea that I make for myself. Now I have quite a few cups of tea during the day. I'm not going to say how much, <laughs> Bullet tea, MCT oil, Mary Catherine Tom oil, MCT oil. Um, that, the few drops, gives me a big boost of energy. Um, and I know it's promoted some additional weight loss for me in a very positive way. It's helped lean me out that next level. I think puts me in keto sooner. And I've heard some studies about that. Boosts the amount of mitochondria I have per cell. So I can almost feel like my body, like the heat from the inside and the energy mm -hmm. boost that I have. Are you a fan of MCT oil? Do you do it yourself? I literally call it my secret elixir. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this, that's, it's really funny you bring this up because this is a great example of how our health and wellness is so indiv individualized and individualistic. Um, mm -hmm. I tried really hard to get into the bulletproof movement. Uh, mm -hmm. and where they're putting, you know, healthy fats into coffee and blending it up and it's creamy and frothy and delicious. And every time I did that, I would get a really bad headache. Uh, oh, I yeah. don't know if that would happen to me if I were just putting MCT and say yeah. some tea. Uh, but, um, that's where, again, you know, what works for one person might not work for the next person, but that aside, MCT is essentially a saturated fat. Uh, when we think of saturated fat, we oftentimes think of the unhealthy fat. But MCT is a medium chain triglyceride, which is different than short chain triglycerides, which is typically the kind of saturated fat we're getting from animal sources uh, that we want to kind of reduce in our diet. Um, and a lot of times people think that, you know, with weight loss, they need to cut out fat from their diet. And that's not the case. Mm -hmm. Fat helps you burn fat. So getting a little bit of fat throughout your day is really critical for overall health and well-being. So it's not surprising that you've experienced these positive benefits from putting some MCT in your uh multiple cups of tea throughout <laughs> And Carly, <laughs> I did find too that when I put the bigger dose in, like they want you to do the tablespoon and do it once, that gave me a headache. And, and yeah. so it was that kind of big dosing to that level all at once that I can't take. And so it's literally just a couple of drops in each one. And I'm probably getting a tablespoon, which is 70% of the fat that I need for the day. So you have to be careful after that in terms of how much fat mm -hmm. that you're putting in your diet, but it has been a big boost. Then the other thing it's helped me to do is I like to intermittent fast. And it did help me to fast better because it satiates you because it's fat, right? Um, yeah. I skip breakfast almost every day and sometimes lunches too. And I just kind of eat when I'm hungry. And some days if I worked hard, if I did a two a day workout the day before and really hit it, I find I need lunch, but sometimes I can skip all the way to dinner and 
or close to it and not really feel anything. What's your thoughts on intermittent fasting? I think out of all of the different dietary theories out there, intermittent fasting is one of the better ones uh, because it's not necessarily controlling what you're eating. It's more controlling when you're eating and giving yourself mm -hmm. boundaries around that. So even with my clients, when they have uh, focused on weight loss and they incorporate intermittent fasting, they're really successful. And I find that it's a more sustainable change that you can make versus trying to follow a specific dietary way. Mm -hmm. um, so I, you know, I, I think that it works really well for a lot of people. And to your point of kind of eating with, when you're hungry, I think that's awesome. And again, a way to be very intuitive into your body and understanding it and nourishing it when it needs that nourishment. Um, I, I do think that sometimes when we are going through a lot of stressors, it suppresses our appetite. So there may be times where you don't feel like eating, but you probably should be eating because you need some energy to keep you going throughout the day. Uh, but generally speaking, being in tune with your body and listening to it and Eating when you're hungry and stopping when you're full and eating more slowly, chewing your food, putting your mm -hmm. fork down in between bites, all of those things can just lead to overall mindfulness around uh, food and your diet and your habits throughout the day. Yeah. And don't torture yourself. I think that's what you're saying, too, is, you know, these diets can get obsessive, right? And you swing from one way to another. I know there was a long period of time where I swung from diet to diet and it didn't work or it had a temporary impact and it wasn't sustainable. And what I've fallen into here for me is sustainable. And so hopefully yeah. through experimentation, those listening can find out that out too. Um, caloric intake and what you're intaking. So there's a lot of people that say, okay, it doesn't matter the fasting. It doesn't matter what you eat. It's, it's the calories and, and counting the calories. And then there are others that say, no, 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 it definitely matters. You know, if you're doing a lot of the simple carbs, if you're, you know, um, or the opposite, if you go in keto and even if you're eating a lot more calories, but it's more keto oriented diet, that's a good thing. Where do you fall on the whole um, carb, no carb kind of keto thing? first and then how important is calorie counts because that's been revived great question. Yeah. yeah so first in regards to keto uh, which is essentially a very high fat diet very low carb diet moderate protein the goal is to get into ketosis and what that means is your body shifts from getting energy from carbohydrates to fats Mm -hmm. um, people who have done the keto diet and done it well see a lot of benefits from it. I think that uh, the keto diet was kind of originally created for epilepsy patients. So mm -hmm. uh, in epilepsy patients, it will help reduce the amount of seizures that they're experiencing throughout the day, which I find so interesting. I do think that it is very challenging for just the average person to stay in ketosis. Mm -hmm. And if you're not into ketosis, then you're essentially just eating high fat food. Um, <laughs> so you're not getting the benefit of burning fat as fuel. You're still burning carbohydrates. And then on top of that, also getting a lot of fat into your diet. So if you're going to do it, just making sure you're setting yourself up for success. I know there's different um, testing strips and things like that that you can use to kind of gauge if you're in ketosis. And also kind of focusing on sliding into the second point of not just eating high fat food. I had a friend one time and uh, he was telling me about his diet when he did the keto method. And <laughs> for almost every meal, it would be ground beef, spaghetti sauce and cheese. And I'm like, wait, where are the vitamins and minerals and where are the nutrients? But it worked because it got him into that ketosis state. Yeah. Uh, but that's not necessarily going to be 
uh, healthy for you long term, really short term either. But uh, so focusing too on not just the numbers, but the quality of the food as well. So I think like with the whole calories thing, it's a balance between paying attention to overall calorie count, but then also being very mindful of what those calories are made of. You're going to feel significantly different if you eat a bagel than if you eat a egg scramble and they both have the same amount of calories. So um, different nutrients, obviously, but, uh, mm-hmm. but really paying attention to the quality of uh, those calories and, you know, leaning into the more whole, unprocessed, variety of colors, variety of foods is really going to help your body start to feel like it's thriving and not just surviving to get from one thing to the next. Totally agree. Um, Then there are supplements, right? So I do a multivitamin, uh, probiotic. Um, I do take Nutrigenics, uh, apple cider vinegar after most meals. I'll try to pop a couple of gummies with that. Any thoughts on the whole supplements area and any specific recommendations for kind of 40, 50, 60 year old men? Yeah, so I think uh, first of all, it's important to not look at supplements as being your golden ticket to a healthy diet. (laughs) It's really meant to do just that, to supplement your diet. So you can't have a green superfood drink once a day and then eat fast food the rest for the rest of your meals and think that you're going to be healthy and experience these positive benefits. So uh, I think first and foremost, focusing on a healthy diet and then pulling in these supplements as reinforcement can be a really great way to elevate your health. Unfortunately, you know, no matter how healthy our diet is these days, the quality of our soil and just the way that produce is grown is not the same as it once was. So we're probably not getting all of the nutrients we need in our day anyways. So it is definitely a good thing to reinforce with a multivitamin. I do that. I take a multivitamin. I take um, fish oil, a probiotic, and I have a superfood green powder. It's athletic greens that I absolutely love and take that um, more days than not. And I notice a big difference in my energy when I take it and when I don't take it. So I'm, I'm a big advocate for supplements. I think you can definitely go overboard with them, uh, but you know, incorporating some of those fundamentals into your day to support the healthy habits that you're adopting can be a really great thing. Yeah. I think Carly, what you're saying is if my reply to my daughters is, well, I take a multivitamin, I'm okay with not having the diversity. That's not good, right? Right. Yeah. You yeah, focus right on there. the food first <laughs> and then you've got the insurance yeah, hear, policy with the vitamin. So another thing, so uh, I'm disciplined. I'm not a saint. See if there's oh here's a good one. if there's talenti pistachio gelato in the house pretty much it's all mine. Um, so is that the end of the world? I don't think so. I <laughs> think it's a good thing to indulge from time to time. Uh, if our goal is perfection, it is unachievable, and we're going to be disappointing ourselves and uh, setting ourselves up for failure. So I think allowing yourself those moments of indulgence and those moments of enjoyment too around Mm -hmm. food is really important uh, just for our overall mental state as well. And kind of shifting away from thinking of food as being good or bad, but what food is going to help me feel my best? What food is going to nourish me? okay, I want to focus on that food more consistently. And then the food that I know really isn't going to make me feel my best. But sometimes I just want, you know, that little indulgence of Talenti pistachio ice cream Uh, and not looking at that as being, you know, a really bad thing kind of helps break that cycle of, Um, we're doing really good and then we take a step backwards or kind of always 
waiting for the Monday, right? Like, oh, Monday, we're going to start, we're going to make all these changes and cut out all these foods. And um, so I think that kind of shifting your mindset allows for a little bit more freedom and also Mm -hmm. sustainability in these changes you're looking to make down the road. Yeah, I'm already going through a lot in the grief and the sadness and the the trying to get the growth back kind of in our lives. So do not beat yourself up over it. You know, I try not to. I sometimes feel a little guilty over it. And I'm like, now I'm just going to have to work out that much harder or make up for it. But you can give yourself some grace. Don't have it be a cycle of negative thoughts if you, you know, have that cup of coffee or, you know, you go and you have that drink or you go and you have that ice cream. It is okay. Uh, It's, you know, as long as you're making progress. I think that's what counts to try to get yourself healed through this. So Carly, what's the one piece of advice you'd like to leave our widowers or growth warriors with today? Uh, I think it's just reminding yourself that taking control of your health is an ongoing process. There's really no finish line. There's no end goal. And it's going to change over time as well. So uh, kind of what I, you know, mentioned just before, uh, there is no such thing as perfection and there's really just room for improvement. And we all have ways that we can improve no matter where we're at on our journey. So I always like to remind people and kind of keep this quote in mind for myself too, of doing one thing for yourself today that's better than yesterday, that's going to get you closer to where you want to be tomorrow. Just one thing, one thing that's a little bit better than yesterday that's going to get you a little bit closer to where you want to be tomorrow and set yourself up for success moving into that new day. And uh, keeping that in mind just reinforces the idea that change at a gradual pace, while it's not always desirable because we want that quick fix, we want that overnight success that uh, usually is not going to be sustainable for the long term. So kind of going at it more slowly and more patiently and just doing what you can with where you're at is uh, the most important thing that you can do for sustainable, healthy success. Carly Page, Fit Living Eats, thank you so much. We'll include your contact information in the transcript. So keep an eye for that in case you want to reach out to Carly to get some more advice. And thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. This was so much fun. Thank you for having me. And everyone, thank you so much for listening to our Growth Through Grief podcast. If you liked what you heard, please hit the like button. Be sure to subscribe to keep up to date on the latest episodes. We have a lot of them coming out. And until next time, my growth warriors, keep growing.